Great to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women who watch every single week. Thank you for that. We appreciate you. Every single week we get letters. I get letters from so many people from in prison, and uh, we're glad that you guys write to us. We take that uh, very personally, and thank you uh, for being a part of our church and our services as well. And so God is moving quite powerfully behind bars, and so I'm glad you guys are a part. Let's say our mission statement together real quick. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Thanks again for being a part of our services. You know, I'm excited about this series we're in called Angels We Have Heard on High, where we just look and there's three different places in the Christmas story where angels show up. The first is where they show up to Mary. Today, we're going to look at where they show up to talk to, an angel shows up to talk to Joseph. And then Christmas Eve, we're going to see an army of angels show up to introduce Christ to the world. So don't miss this Christmas Eve as well. And uh, thanks for being here. By the way, you may look around and notice in the, at the campus you're at that you're pretty full. That's great. But that's also a problem come Christmas Eve. So we need your help. We need most of you, if you could, consider coming at an off hour. What I mean by that is like one of the earlier days. Like if you could come December 23rd at the broadcast campus, that would be a huge help. Or if you're coming on 24th, if you could avoid the 6 o'clock hour, that's like the prime everyone comes hour. Either come to the 8 o'clock or the 4 o'clock. That'd be really helpful. Or even earlier than that would be a huge help. How many of you guys could commit to doing that as a family to say, okay, Pastor, I get it. We need space. I can, I can come to a different hour. Would you raise your hand if you could do that? Come on, hold those hands high. Thank you. I'm going to ask God to give you extra points in heaven for this. Thank you for your help. Let's give these people a hand. Thank you for that. Seriously, it's really helpful. It really is. And so thanks again for being a part of our services. If you really want to be spiritual, what you can do is you can come earlier and then stay and serve at the next hour, which would be huge help too. We always have great crowds on Christmas Eve, and so we'd love to have you here. If you haven't been to a Christmas Eve at Church Unlimited, don't miss. It's really a lot of fun. And so it's, it's spectacular. We go all out. So even during COVID, we're going all out. And so be sure to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun. So today I want to deliver a message today called, When God Interrupts Your Plans. When God Interrupts Your Plans. I saw some smirks on some faces already going, you got to be kidding me. Because maybe God knew you needed this today because you had a plan. You had a job you wanted. You wanted to get into this school, but you got into that school. You wanted to go here, but you went there instead. You thought this was a relationship of your dreams, and then they broke up or divorced and, and left you. And so you think, God, this is not what I intended. This is not the plan I had worked out for my life. Lord, this is not where I thought I'd be doing what I thought I'd be doing with whom I thought I'd be doing it with. And so maybe for you, you feel like you're on plan B or C or D or E or F or way down the line, right? And so that's not uncommon to feel that way. And so today's message, when God interrupts your plan, that's how Joseph must have felt because God interrupted his plans. Before we go any further, by the way, how many of you guys are, have already been praying some of those hours you committed to last week? Anybody in here? Raise your hand high. Look at all those people. Give yourself a hand for praying. Thank you, all of our campuses. Thank you for that. Did you know that through your commitment, we prayed this week over 17,000 hours, actually for the whole duration of this, together as a church, are going to be prayed the next five weeks. So give yourself a hand. We are a praying Woo! church. Pretty awesome. So thank you for that. I'm on hour 60 today, and man, the stuff God has shown me in the last 10 hours is crazy awesome. Super excited. You guys want to hear some of it? Anybody want to hear kind of what God's been showing me? Awesome. I'll share it with you first for next year. So thanks for coming. 
I got some great stuff to tell you, though, some really cool stuff, and I am going to unpack that on January 9th and 10th will be the big reveal weekend. So I'm excited about that. Then January 8th, actually, we're going to have the 100th hour that I'm in. We're going to pray together as a church across all of our campuses, live streaming. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you join us for that. Then the 9th and 10th, I'm going to be sharing the vision that God has given me for the church and for where we're going next. Do not miss that. Okay, let's dive into the content today because Joseph was a guy who was devout, loved the Lord, dedicated to God, and yet you think with all that, surely God's going to give him what he wants. I mean, he loves God. He grew up in God's house. I mean, you can't be any more spiritual than Joseph. He comes from the line of David. He lives in Jerusalem. He's in the holy city. He grew up in the temple going every day. I mean, surely God's going to give him exactly what he wants. No, no, he doesn't do that. God changes plans too. Now, let me just break something down before we get into the scripture. We're going to look at Joseph and Mary and how they were engaged. The way we do engagement is different than the way they did engagements. So in ancient Israel, when you got engaged, here's what happened. Mary would have been coming home from school or from work or whatever she was doing, and she would have went up to her mom and her dad and said, hey, probably mom, right? Mom, I met a boy, and I really like him. Really? Who? Well, who is it? Uh, you know Joe? You know, he lives over a couple streets. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know his family. Yeah, yeah, the Carpenter family. Mm -hmm. I know who they are. Yeah, they're, he's a, his dad's a carpenter, and he's, you know, he's, he's trained up Joe. And, and so, yeah. And so Joseph would have gone home to his parents and say, hey, I met a girl. Well, who is it? This really devout, sweet girl named Mary. I really like her. Really? And he would have stopped at that point and said, are you okay if I maybe talk with her a little bit? They would have been like, okay, hold up. How much have you talked at this point? Well, we're just, we're just getting to know each other, but I really like her. And she would be saying something similar. And so then the parents would say, okay, well, hold up. Let me go meet with their parents. And then the parents would get together. And this is what actual healthy, believe it or not, there's such a thing as healthy, prearranged marriages look like. And so they, would, they were all arranged. It, it was not just, I love you, you love me, forget our parents, let's just get married. That's the way we do it. That's not the way they did it in, in, in ancient Israel. And so when I say prearranged marriage, people imagine some 10-year-old girl crying her eyes out, marrying some 60-year-old guy in the Middle East. That is not the way it was originally was at all. And so please understand, that would be called child slavery, and no one is for that, okay? But Mary would have been between 13 and 15, which seems young to us, but was very normal then. Joseph probably would have been a little older, and so, because we know men mature a little later, right? So my wife is still waiting for that day to come for me, but, you know, maybe eventually <laughs> that will happen, you know? So anyways, but yeah, so Joseph probably would have been in his 20s or even 30s. I know that sounds really crazy to us, but that was kind of normal back then, okay? And so, but Mary would have been of, of marriage age, and so they would have, that would have been marriage age 13, 15, 16. Joseph could have been as young as, you know, probably 20, but probably a little older, and so, and they would have been talking to the parents. Then the parents would get together and they would make arrangements and they would sign, they, they would actually, they would essentially negotiate. Okay, I've got this many goats and donkeys and sheep I could give you and I've got this many. And there would have been an arrangement made. And that, see, that's what we think. That's so ridiculous. Why would you? But that's because you have to understand that Joseph is part of a long line of a family that has a business, that has a ranch, or we call it a ranch today, they would call it a farm. And so they, they, they would have had their own, their own business holdings and everything was passed down through your children. So there was an arrangement that was being made. 
Then they would go to the city fathers at the edge of the city in Jerusalem, and they would say, so we've come today uh, to meet with you because our children would like to be married. And, we ha and they would say, have you agreed upon terms? We have. Here are our terms. And they would lay all that out, and they'd say, okay, great. You sign here. You sign here. They've been signing contracts. Okay, so we're all in agreement. We're going to go ahead and make that big exchange, that big gift switch, right? We're gonna, you're going to give this, and I'm going to give that, and this and that. They would have done all that, and they would have said, okay, great. And so we'll mark the date. They're officially married. Then one year later, so now they're married. One year later, they actually get to consummate that marriage. Mary is still at home with her parents. Joseph now leaves the home. It could be on the same ranch or land, but it would have been him building another home or buying a home and renovating it and getting it ready for his new wife that he, will, that he is already married to, but he has not touched her in those ways because they're demonstrating the purity of their love to God and each other and to their community for one year. And at the end of that year, Joseph would have got all his guys together. He would have been all dressed up and they would have done this big processional march from his parents' home all the way to Mary's home with, where she was their parents. And then they would have wed either right there or, the, or he would have brought her back to their house and they would have had a big giant wedding celebration, literally two or three days celebration. And then after that, they consummate the marriage and now they're living in the same home. That's what weddings and that's what marriage and that's what engagements look like then. So engagement meant you're already husband and wife. So now they're in the middle of this. They've already had contracts signed. They're already engaged. They're already legally husband and wife. And Mary shows up with a, with a baby bump. Now, can you imagine Joseph, how he feels at this point? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? What is, are, are you kidding? And, and she says, oh, no, no, I know it looks bad, but it's actually God's child. Right. <laughs> now, teenage girls, I do not recommend you trying this with your parents. Now, I know what it looks like, Dad, but this is actually God's child. I don't think he's buying it. I'm just going to let you know right now, probably not, okay? But that is what he is supposed to be buying into. That's what he's been told by Mary. Mary Mary's like, I know this looks really bad, but I promise you, it's, it's like I've not been with another man. This is God's child. Whoa, what was that? Oh, yeah, this is God's child. <laughs> right. So let's pick up the Scripture now, because that's what's going on. You talk about a change of plans? This is not what he thought at all was going to happen. Look at the Scripture. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand that, you know, even today, in today's day and age, when a woman typically gets pregnant outside of wedlock, there is some, typically, some embarrassment. Not always. I'm not putting, I'm not trying to put embarrassment on you. I'm not trying to put shame on you, but normally that already comes anyways, because you feel like you got the order reversed. And, and so a lot of times you feel some guilt and some shame. But the younger you are, especially if, if a girl's basically college or high school age, there's a lot of shame that typically comes with that. I'm not trying to bring up any kind of past pain. I'm just trying to point something out. Now, I want you to imagine if we feel that today, imagine how Mary felt in ancient Israel. Now, let me add one more layer to that. She's in Jerusalem, the holy city. Let me add one more layer to that. She grew up every single day going to the temple. Let me add one more layer to that. The boy that she's supposed to be getting married to is from the lineage of David. This, I can't tell you how salacious and scandalous this was. It was a big deal. So there would have been a lot of shame a lot of guilt, a lot of embarrassment for this. Joseph's, Joseph's brothers and Joseph's uh, friends would have been coming and going, Joe, what is up? What are you going to do? And like anyone, he would have been furious. He would have been embarrassed. He would have been angry. He would have been saying, who's the guy, Mary? 
who is it? I want to know. I mean, he would have been upset like anyone would be. See, we have the, the, we have the privilege of looking at it as history. So we know, oh, no, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. But he didn't have that. Mary just shows up and there's something about Mary. You know, she's pregnant. Like something's up. This is, this is not the way this is supposed to go, right? And so look what, look what it says in Scripture, Matthew 1, verse 19. Look what Joseph does that's different than most guys would react. It says this, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now we may think, oh, why would Joseph consider that? I bet you'd consider it too. If the girl you love that's supposed to be dedicated to you shows up pregnant. You gonna tell me you'd think differently? I don't think so. I think all of us would be like, oh yeah, I'm out. There's no way, I'm not doing this. I mean, you, you already pledged publicly that you're gonna be faithful to me. You hadn't, been faith- you hadn't even slept with me yet and you hadn't been faithful to me. Are you kidding me? I mean, so you can imagine how upset he would be. But he doesn't take it out on Mary. He's upset, but his plan is to divorce her, to end it quietly. And so that was, that was his plan, which I cannot tell you how class act and loving and honoring that actually is. In case there's any doubt, do you know what the law said in their day in Jerusalem should happen? Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within the town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. That's the law. It goes on to say, in this way you will purge this evil from among you. So Joseph had every right legally to literally drag Mary out down to the city fathers, say, this woman, is it, pull up the contracts. She signed, I signed, our parents signed. She said she wait, look at her, she's pregnant. They could all picked up rocks and it would have been perfectly legal to stone the girl down. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with this. I'm just trying to help you understand. That's what the law says. That's not what he did. Think about how mad he could have been. What if Joseph wasn't a good guy? What if Joseph would have been accusing her of all kinds of stuff? Was it Roro? I know it was Roro, wasn't it? Who was it? What if he showed up after drinking with his boys late one night and he's half drunk and he shows up at her house and he's like drinking and yo Mary, I got some questions. What if he would have done that? What if he wasn't a good guy? That's not who Joseph was, was it? So Joseph was a righteous man. He wanted to honor God. So he intended to end it quietly. Can I just tell you right now, as much as we think, oh, that'd be so horrible, and it would have been, it would have changed the whole story, the narrative would have been very different, but, but Joseph wasn't a bad guy for wanting to do this. He could have had her stoned to death. He could have had her killed. He could have said, well, I'm not gonna do that, but I wanna publicly shame her. He could have done that. He could have everyone gather around, let me tell you what's up. Let me tell you the deal. He, he could have done all that. He didn't do any of that. He could have stuck it to her. Can I tell you something? It's amazing who we are. Who we really are on the inside comes out when we have power over someone. It's amazing. You know, dictatorships are real, aren't they? If you don't believe a dictatorship is still real in America, join a homeowners association. <laughs> it's amazing what people do with little power, isn't it? It's just kind of funny, you know. One of the things I like to do is I like to take couples, like if we're interviewing someone for staff position, I like to take them to dinner because I want to see, they think I'm interviewing them, but I'm actually going to watch how they treat the waitress or waiter. You can learn a lot about someone. When they have a little power over someone for just a season, what do they do with that power? Has someone hurt you? Do you have legal right to pick up that stone? Oh, man, what you did to me, let me... Do you have legal right? 
You think you got reason? You got, man, I've been treated wrong. This is not right what they're doing. I can't believe. Who are you when you've been wronged? Is who you are. And Joseph chose honor. I want to challenge you with a couple things. Number one, would you write this down? Life's interruptions are God's introductions. Number one, life's interruptions are God's introductions. God's trying to do something special in Joseph's life, but it doesn't look special to him. This is not the way he thought it was going to be at all. I'm sure he's very upset. He has every reason to be. Would you write this down? This number two. I'm going to give them to you quick. Number two, choose honor. Choose honor. Your future depends on it. He chose to honor Mary in such a way that he was not going to disgrace her. He was not going to follow the law. The law would have broke her. You see, when the Bible talks about how marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, from the very beginning of Christ entering the world, it's already showing us a picture in Mary and Joseph's marriage. Because according to the law, Mary broke the law. Of course, we know she didn't, right? But according to their human laws, she is impregnated and she's married to someone else, right? And so the laws are broken, but what does Joseph do? He says, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna bring you into my home. Isn't that what God does for us? He's like, yeah, I know you broke my laws, but I'm not gonna pick up a stone and just end you. No, I'm preparing a place for you to come into my home. That's how God is. Isn't that good to know that God is a loving God, a God of compassion, God of forgiveness? Maybe you need to hear that today because you've broken God's law and God's saying to you today, I'm not here to condemn you. This is why I sent Christ was to forgive you, to renew you. Let today be a day of grace for you that you feel God's love pour over you. And you say, but, but pastor, but I've broken God's law. God knows that, but he still gave his son anyways. Isn't it good to know that we have a God who loves us, that gives us his grace when we need it the most. Someone give God some praise today because he is a forgiving, loving God. He really is. It says in Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. So you got yourself a circumstance. You got yourself a situation. You can be mad and maybe someone's sticking it to you, man. They've just been mean and they've been, oh, they just, you got a choice to make. Are you going to, mm, let's go. I'm ready. Let's do this. Or are you going to wait, wait, wait? This isn't about whether you're right or wrong. This is about, am I going to start a fight or am I going to end a fight? And I think a couple weeks ago we talked about it. I think we said, blessed are the peacemakers. So I just want to encourage you with that. Choose honor instead of dishonoring someone. So look what happens. He said this, as he considered this, now we got our angel from on high. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the way, I wonder when the angel showed up to tell Joseph this, Joseph grew up going to the temple every day. So we go to church once a week? Oh, no, 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 no. They went to church. They went to temple every single day. They memorized the entire Torah. They would have known the entire word of God. They would have known all of Isaiah's teachings. And so when the angel showed up, can you imagine, first of all, having an angel show up? How cool is that? Dwayne Rock Johnson shows up with flapping wings. Hey, what's up? Let me tell you something. <laughs> He'd be like, whoa, it's crazy, right? So he shows up. He's flapping the wings. He starts talking. He says, hey, I'm from God. God. God sent me here to tell you this. I know you think Mary, you know, is, did you wrong? That's actually is God's child. What she said is correct. He's like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, no, no, it's true. You know, let me tell you this quick. I'm getting tired. Okay, so he's standing and he says, what did he say? He says, he says, hey, I want you to know, this is God's child. 
What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Take Mary to be your wife. He wakes up. He's thinking, this is so cool. But think about how cool it is when you're thinking, who can I tell and not sound totally crazy, <laughs> right? So you think, oh, no, it's cool. An angel came to me, and people would be like, right. So basically, you're as crazy as her. I mean, so now who's going to believe this, right? And so I'm sure all his friends and family are like, Joseph has lost his mind. What is he doing? Does he put her out? Does he take her to the city? Does he embarrass her? No. He says, you know what? Look, skip the wedding, obviously, at this point. We're not going to make a big pomp and circumstance. But he says, Mary, just, just come home. You're my wife. So you can imagine Mary walking into this home. It's not completed because, you know, he, he thought he had a year. He's like, well, there's, that's the table I, I started. I, I haven't finished that yet. And that, that's our, this, is our, this is our bed. I know the sheets aren't, aren't that nice, but I was going to buy some new ones before everything kind of went down. And I know you probably don't like the drapes, but maybe you can help me with the colors. This is, this is the home I was, I was working on for you. I wonder if that time Mary just thought, you, you can do whatever you, you need to do to me. I, I know what the law says. And she looked up at Joseph and must have thought, I, I, I know I shouldn't, even, I, I, this, I shouldn't have this home. And at that point, I wonder if Joseph just looked at her and said, no, no, you, you understand. For, for, I know what the verse says, I know. But then he looked at her and he said, but, but you're my wife. I'm going to take care of you. Isn't that what God does to us? He says, no, 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 I, I know the law, I know. I'm going to take care of you. That's what God says to you and me. God is not pointing at you like this saying, you did this and you, he's pointing you like this saying, come here. Come here, let me show you the home I'm making for you. I love you. I'm going to be a covering for you to protect you, to guard you. What does this mean? This means Joseph understood that he was a part of something larger than himself at this moment. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you're not in the town you thought you'd be in. Maybe you're not in the job you thought you'd be in. Maybe you're not in the relationship you thought you'd be Maybe things didn't go the way you want, but you need to stop and recognize you are a part of a bigger plan. God has something that he's doing that only he understands at this moment, but in the course of time, it'll make sense to you, but maybe not now. So would you please write this down? Number three, see your part in God's bigger picture. See your part in God's bigger picture. This is why I have no problem saying to you, like, hey, we got December 23rd and 24th coming up. Can you come to an odd hour? You say, well, but I like the six o'clock. I know you do, but you see, you're a part of a bigger plan, and we need to make, we need to use your seat for a visitor to come. So can you give up your seat? Instead of being seated, can you be greeting people and seating them? Or can you help out in the children's area? Or can you just come to an earlier hour so that you're, you see, if I'll do that, I'm making room for new people to come in and hear Christ. See your part in the bigger picture of things. Does that make sense? We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Now, what Joseph does next is where I really want to take a moment because this is unbelievable what he does. And I just have to say, that if, if, if nothing impresses you about Joseph, this should do it. Now, first of all, he's already, he's already taken on the shame of Mary that she feels. Now, we know, again, this is God's child. We know that. So he knows in his heart, and Mary knows in her heart, this is really God's child. But no one else is buying that. You have to understand that. No one's buying that. And so he's taking that on. He's like, no, you're my wife. Come to my home. And so this is your home. But what he does next is simply astounding. Look what happens. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, I'm just going to be pretty frank here if I can. Joseph knows the law. Mary does too. Mary's already thinking, I 
I didn't know I was getting you into the situation. I, I didn't know it was going to go down like this. I, right? And so I, I wonder the first time Mary took a bath and she put on her robe and, and she came out and she's never, she's never been in bed with Joseph before. I wonder if that first time as she stood there, if she sat there with her robe or if she slowly took it off. And, and you know, ladies are hoping for a, a big, nice reveal in what is revealed to him as, as a, a pregnant young, young girl. I'm just, if I could just take a moment in this, just imagine the tenderness of this moment when she must take that off and she says, I, I, I know I'm your, your wife and so I, I know what the, what the law is and so I, I'm, I, I'm yours. And at that moment, Joseph says, put, put, put your robe back on Mary. That's God's child. We're not going to do that yet. But Joseph, you know you have right. I know I have right. But that's God's child. I just, I can't, I wish I could communicate the grasp of the unselfishness of Joseph in this moment. To not take advantage, to not take what was his. And let me tell you why this is important. Joseph may not have known it at the time, but he protected one of our most celebrated theologies in all the word, which is the virgin birth. He protected this as saying, no, I am not going to even sleep with you. There could not even be a possibility of someone saying that that's actually my child. It's not. The other thing he protected was the theology that we know that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. Fully God because this is God's child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Fully man because this is also birthed through a, a, of a woman. So think about that for a second. It protects that theology. And can I just go old school for a second? Can I do that? Amen. Can I just tell you right now something that I see in Scripture here that Joseph does that's so powerful? And that is this. Would you write this down? We need to guard what is sacred. We need to learn to guard what is sacred. There's lots of places in the Bible where we see when you don't guard what is sacred, it brings a, bless, uh, it brings a curse upon you. This last week, I, I was talking to a guy on the phone, and uh, he had brought to the church five months. This is what he told me. And I asked him if I could share the story. He said I could. He had brought five months of his tithe and basically paid up for the past five months. So I, He said, I just got back to church. It's been crazy during COVID, but I just, I felt convicted to give. And I said, that's amazing that you tithe, but you even, you even back tithe. Like you went back and, 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 and caught up. That's incredible. I mean, it's Christmas season. I can think you would certainly be able to say, well, it's Christmas. I'm trying to be a good guy. I'll just start tithing now and forget about the, he didn't do that. He's like, no, 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 I want to tithe. I said, what made you do that? And he said, honestly, pastor, I don't, I don't mean this to sound weird, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been reading this book, and I don't even know what the book was, but he said, and this book actually says that if, if I live on that tithe, then I'm, then I'm cursed financially. And I know that probably sounds crazy, and I said, that actually doesn't sound crazy. That's actually what the Bible says. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't say that a lot because it, it sounds harsh, but you're, you're completely correct. The Bible is very clear in Malachi that if you live on the 10% that it says to give to God, it curses the other 90%. And then he said this to me. He said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you because I haven't been tithing. And he said, 
I found myself living on 120% of my income, having to borrow 20% above my income just to pay the bills. That's how bad it was going. And he goes, when I began to tithe, I am living blessed on 90% when I was cursed on 120%. And then he said this. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. He owns his own business. He said, I got to be honest with you. I go, I go by the bank. I have a stack of checks right now that are accumulating from my business exploding. And I said, that's not an accident, bro. He goes, I know. And he said, you better believe I'm going to calculate up the tithe before I even make that deposit and give to the Lord. See, he recognized this is sacred and therefore God's blessing will be on me. Maybe for you it's something different. Maybe it never dawned on you that you know what else is sacred? God's word, the whole book. And maybe for you, you realize, well, I believe it, you know, but there's certain things that are kind of old school that, you know, I mean, I'm not sure about that verse or this verse. I mean, maybe I'll just kind of skip over that. But when you do that, you, you miss it. You miss the blessing of God. God's very clear in Deuteronomy. He says, if you'll follow my rules, my regulations, the whole word, he says, and I'll bless you. If you don't, you'll be cursed. It's built into the word. And so there's certain things that we just need to know. Do you realize that marriage is sacred? Did you know that? Marriage between a husband and a wife and that, that the purity of waiting until you're married and, and, and a husband and a wife, that, that's a sacred relationship. And anything outside those bounds, and we could cover 68 different ways to be outside of that, but anything outside of that is not honored. And we forget that, and this may be unpopular today, but I'm willing to be unpopular because I want you to be blessed. And so God has his truth, and it is a sacred thing. God's house is sacred. This is why it's not okay to show up 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early and not have a contrite heart. Why? You'd be in trouble with your boss if you showed up 10 minutes late at work. Why in the world would it be any different than God's house? This is a holy, sacred place. It matters that we follow God's word, that we guard the tithe and give it to him, that we honor the Lord in our sexuality, that we honor God in all of his word, that we, that we understand his house is sacred. If we will do that, we are guarding what is sacred. Let me show you what happens when you don't. There was a king that raided Israel named Nebuchadnezzar, and he came in and he, he even raided the temple, and he took a bunch of the special utensils that were designed for worship, he took those out and he put it in his personal collection. Nebuchadnezzar died a number of years later. Then his son Belshazzar took over as king. Belshazzar did not know what those things were, but he knew it was some kind of collection, some kind of holy goblet and holy this and that. And he, one day he's having a party. And when, and when Belshazzar, when kings party, they party. Okay, so it was like, boom, it was going on. It was like, this is jumping, this is crazy. And so and he had a bunch of wives and a bunch of concubines, which clearly means that he did not believe in the sacredness of marriage. He was already blowing by that one. But then he said, hey, and he's drunk. He's, they're drinking, they're partying, it's crazy. And while this is going on, he's like, hey, go grab those special glasses. Yeah, the, the ones from Jerusalem, the, you know, the temple. Get those, man, we want to drink out of those things. And remember, yeah, that big goblet, I want to drink out. So he's got this, this big glass and it's all fancy and this is supposed to be something that's holy in God's temple. And he's starting to pour, man, he's like, pop the big ball, man, let's do this. Oh, yeah. He's like, all right, man, let's see. He's drinking up and as he's doing this, God is getting angry. He's like, are you kidding me? And then he even goes so far as to say, we should worship the gods of these uh, of, of gold and of, of bronze and of wood. And they're like, you're going to use God's items to worship false gods. Not okay. Ladies, let me just put it in perspective. That's about as okay to God to do that as your husband putting a picture of the ex-girlfriend above the fireplace today. <laughs> How's that going to go over? 
Let me do you one further. Let's say your husband divorces you, gets himself a sweet, cute little girl, Couple years younger, it always makes it worse when they're younger, doesn't it? I mean, just always even worse. And the younger, prettier, all that, right? And then you go to the mall one day and you see him show up with, your, with his new little girlfriend and she's wearing your outfit. How's that going to go over? It's going to be a YouTube sensation in about an hour. This is going to go over, <laughs> right? This thing's going to blow up, right? And so this king is, is partying with God's utensils. Look what happens in Scripture. Daniel chapter 5. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and wives and concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Oh, this is infuriating God. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster wall. They just see this giant hand writing on the wall. I want you to imagine seeing a human hand. All you see is a hand writing. Would this not be terrifying? And so it's writing... The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs began to became weak and his knees were knocking. He was terrified. I wonder what was written on the wall. I wonder if God wrote, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You think you're a God? Let me show you who the real God. Ooh, I cannot imagine what was written on that day. I wonder if he wrote the verses, the, the word of God in Jerusalem, excuse me, in Deuteronomy, where it actually says, if you do not keep these things sacred, I will take your life. That's also in the Bible. God's serious. What have we taken that's sacred and made it secular? What have we taken that's God's and made it ours? rather than bringing to God what's his and saying, God, I understand this is your house. This is your word. This is your resource. I understand this. Have you, have you blown off the sacredness of the covenant of your marriage? Have you blown off the children that God gave you? You know, it says in Psalms 127 that they're a, they're a gift from God. Have you not honored that gift? Have you not honored the gift of your family? Have you not honored the gift of his house? Where is God saying, guard what is sacred like Joseph did? If you'll do that, God will bless you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. Across all of our campuses right now, where is God speaking to you saying, guard what is sacred? You got to see the big picture. It's not just about you and me. Something way bigger going on than us. Joseph, you're a part of a much larger plan. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. What is God telling you to start guarding that you've been blowing off? Is there some writing on the wall right now? God's telling you, I love you. Guard what's sacred. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Where have you disobeyed that you need to say, you know what, Lord, I need to do some catching up. I want to honor you. I want to bring an offering. I want to tithe. Because it's yours. It's not my money. It's yours. Maybe the first gift you give this Christmas is to God to recognize he gave a gift to you. He gave his son. Maybe for you today, it's the sacredness of your marriage. Maybe for you, you're single and you say, Lord, I have blown off the sacredness of the spouse I don't even know yet by what I've been doing with others. Lord, I want to guard from now on. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you that you forgive me and you give me your grace. But from this moment on, I will wait. I will wait. Joseph waited in marriage. We can wait for our marriage. What is God saying to you today? He says, I love you. I have a plan for your life. You are set apart for the work of God. 
Honor him. Honor his house. Honor his resource. Honor his word. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. That's why Jesus was born in a manger so that one day he could grow up and give his life for all mankind. He died for you. He died for your sin and he rose again. You can accept what he's done for you. You can accept him into your life right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with us. You can just pray this out loud. You can just say this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.